I have a lot today to share. It may not get to all of it. We shall see what happens. <clears throat> this is a subject that is real dear to my heart, but I don't think that I've ever, this may be the first time I've just developed a message, a sermon around this particular subject in the Bible. Now, I've, I've been, uh, like I said, this is dear to my heart for a very long time, but it's the, the, it's the subject of, of the mystery of God. This is about the mystery of God. Before we even get into it, though, I want to put up 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to do verse 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 and 2. Then I'm going to be back. Then I'm going to go to Ephesians, and I'm going to be in Ephesians 1, chapter 1, chapter 3, chapter 5, and chapter 6. Okay? Hallelujah. There's a lot in God's Word about mystery. Do you, how many of you like a good mystery? You know, I, I used to love to watch a show called Columbo, but you knew who done it at the very beginning. And the whole move, the whole Columbo uh, show was him, uh, Columbo, figuring it out who who done it, and but we already knew. Well, this is a, I want to talk to you about the mysteries of God. But before we get into that, we're going to just look at this. This is the love chapter. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but if have not charity, that's King James. That word charity is agape, the love of God. I have heard sermons from people, and uh, I even ask a, a particular, uh, if you remember when Dr. Carroll came, uh, who who uh, was a anthrop- uh, an archaeologist, and he was, uh, you know, he's, uh, we we were blessed to have him stay with us when he was here, and uh, he had a couple of million dollars worth of artifacts. Remember him? And he was an expert. He read Greek. Uh, that's the Bible he studied was the Greek Bible, and uh, it was um, kind of fun because. While he was there, he got a phone call, and his phone rang, and the ra- the phone rang. Dun 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 dun. For those of you that are too young to know that, or and so and some of you are too old fogies to know it, uh, that's Indiana Jones, you know, and the Raiders of the last of the Ark, and. Uh, and I, we, I started laughing when his phone rang, and he says, "My kids put that on there, don't." You know, I, I had nothing to do with it. He was, he was disclaiming it. But I asked him this question. I said, "I have heard from teaching that this word, charity, uh, not an English word, the 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 best word is love." Okay. Uh, charity has gotten not such such a good vibe over you know uh, over the years, uh, but originally it's agape love. For God so agape the world that He gave His only begotten Son. 
Anyway, I'd heard sermons where that word did not exist before John brought it into meaning or before Jesus brought it into meaning. That uh, the Greek word agape did not exist in the language. I asked him that question and he looked at me funny. He says, you know, something? I don't know, but I think that that might be very well be true. Other than that, I haven't verified it. But we do know that the meaning of the word certainly did not exist before Jesus. For God so loved us, it's God's love. There are many words for love in the Greek. This one is reserved for God's love. For God, it says, if you speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, you're become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. You're just a, a noise. Next verse. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries. You catch that right there? All mysteries. And we're not talking about mysteries of the universe or mysteries of the world or even mysteries that fiction. We're talking about all mysteries, even the mysteries of God. If you understand all mysteries, excuse me, and all knowledge... And though I have all faith, see, faith is good, isn't it? So that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If you don't have love, if, we, if I don't have love, I'm nothing. Uh, that's what the God's word says. Uh, Paul also wrote, faith works by love. If it's not working by love, it's not God's faith. So faith is important. So anyway, we're not going to go any more than that. If I understand all mysteries, this word mystery is a pretty easy word to remember. It's uh, mysterion, M-U-S-T-E-R-I-O-N, mysterion, mysteries, okay? Mysterion. So we're going to look at a few things. We're going to start in Ephesians and go through them pretty quickly because I got... Something that I want to spend more time on otherwise. Ephesians 1, and I'm going to go 1 to 9. And then, he threw, and he, then I'm going to Ephesians 3, and I'm going to start at the first chapter and go a little ways in that, okay? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be, be, grace be to you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. See that? Do you see that? Before the foundation of the world? Before the world was, you know, we talked about the arms. uh, You can see the arms and legs in the ultrasound. Well, you know, and that's, that, that's a, uh, a game changer for a, a, lo- a lot of people. But all that DNA is in that, f- when, the, when the baby is no bigger than a pea, he has all that DNA already in him, right? That's a baby right then and there. And so uh, this is, uh, and that baby was ordained of God to be born before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. 
according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy. That's the same verse I just read. Sure sounds familiar, though, too. Having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. This is one of my favorite verses because of just that word accepted. We are accepted in Christ, in Christ, before the foundation of the world. See, God had a plan for your life and a calling on your life before the world was even made. And it says this, whereas he made us accepted, and that, that word accepted is the Greek word karatu. The Greek word for uh, grace is charis. So karatu, the root word in karatu is grace. But it's like highly favored. The definition of one of the definitions of grace is highly is favored, favored of God. This word accepted in the beloved is highly favored. I mean, it's like uh, Rick Wall says, it's grace on steroids, you know. Next verse. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Wherein he is abounded toward us on abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. This we're going to uh, leave this one. In a minute, we're going to leave this verse and go to chapter 3 and start with verse 1. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will. Did you catch that? The mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. Just to, it's, a, it's kind of a... Uh, saying things twice, emphasizing it according to his good pleasure of his will. And then it says, according to the good pleasure uh, which he hath purposed in himself. And what's the purpose? Making known unto us the mystery. And part of that mystery was it was done before the world began, before the even began. So remember that word. What's that Greek word for mystery? Mysterion. Just a transliteration from, uh, from Mysterion to mystery. So Mysterion. And there's, God has some amazing mysteries. Go to chapter 3. Uh, for this call I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. He says this twice. He says it also in the first verse of chapter 1 only. He says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. So he emphasizes that he's the prisoner of Jesus Christ here. In chapter 4, verse 1, he emphasizes that he's the prisoner of the Lord. Now, uh, if you have a commentary, it will say because he was in prison when he wrote these. He was a prisoner of the Lord. But if you read chapter 4, you find out that he believes that he was made a prisoner of the Lord long before he was in prison. That he, in chapter 4, it says he led captivity captive. Okay, that Christ, when he was raised from the dead, led captivity captive. So he's saying that he is a prisoner of the Lord all the time. It's take up your cross and follow him. So it's not just uh, because he's in prison. It is an attitude, which I, I'm totally convinced that, God, that Paul wants you to, this is one of those mysteries that he led captivity captive. And so anyway, it says, I therefore the prisoner of, the, of Jesus Christ. And he says, for you Gentiles. 
And there's a reason that he is that he has a purpose, he has a calling, and it's for the Gentiles. And Paul is the apostle for the Gentiles, for us, we're Gentiles. And so next verse. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me, to you word, given me, to you word. God has given, has dispensed. Dispensation is, don't get afraid of that word. It just means God dispenses. He dispenses his truth. In the Old Testament, there are truths that God dispensed. But in the New Testament, there are revelation about things that wasn't in the Old Testament. Hello? It's hidden in the Old Testament. It's like I, I like I'm saying I always say, the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed, but the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. But he says, if you have known of the dispensation of the grace of God given to me, to you, for you. If you have heard of the, next verse please. How that by revelation... He made known unto me the mystery. So there you have that word mystery. God revealed to Paul a, a revelation for us. And it's a mystery. As I wrote a four in few words. And uh, I've heard commentary said oh, that he must have written a letter before. And before. Maybe so. I, 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 I won't dispute that as, as far as absolute. But I don't believe that that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the, the two chapters he wrote before. See, because it's all there. It's all there. In part, a large part of it's in chapter 2, which I didn't want to take the time to get to, but you can read it. But see, that's what he's talking about. He says, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Which, you know, he wrote it for in few words. Chapter 2 and chapter 1. Which in, and this is which is amazing. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of mill, men. What other ages? He's talking about the Old Testament. There. He says there's a mystery which God is revealing to us which was not made known before. And then it says, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. That's one of the subjects that he wrote about uh, before in few words, chapter 2. Because he talks about the Jew and the Gentile being made one. Uh, And I uh, literally, he's talking about the Jewish Christians And then the Gentiles have been brought and made one together. You can study that. But it says the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister. The word minister comes from the word diaconate, which means servant. He was made a servant. We get our words deacon from diaconate. It says made a servant according to the gift of the grace of God, which is given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints, that I, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now this is another way of talking about the mystery. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Well, if you can't search it out, what's the point? That's not what that means. That means there's no ending of it. You can't, there, you know, 
Later on, he prays that we may know the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and then know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, and gives dimension. But do you know God doesn't live in a three-dimensional? He lives in another, a total dimension all of his own, you know? He lives, he's a spirit, he's everywhere. There is no limit, okay? But he puts limits on it because he wants to show how great it is. Because we are, you know, we measure things. You know, how great thou art. You look at the sky and the stars. But God is so much greater and bigger than the stars. All right. One of my favorite songs that you hear on the thing is, All the stars worship you. And I'm paraphrasing. It's not exact words. But all the stars in heaven worship you. Did you know he says he's named them all? There's billions of them. And every one of them has got a name. And all the stars, all creation worships God. Hello? All the stars worship you, so will I. If the stars in heaven worship you, so will I. I love that song. It says, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, you see, the fellowship, the koinonia of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world, from the beginning of the world, mean uh, this was uh, uh, ordained of God before the world was made. And for us, time began when the world was made. And so from the beginning of the world, God had this plan for us. But it was not revealed unto them uh, to man until Paul and, and the other apostles. Hello? And so it says, the beginning of the world which hath been hidden in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. All right, now I want you to go to the sixth chapter. And verse, we're going to start with verse 10. What are we talking about? The mysteries of the kingdom of God. The mysteries of the kingdom of God. This is amazing. If you know what, if, as soon as I said Ephesians 6.10, you should have had a light go off and say, oh, I know what he's going to talk about. If you study the word of God. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Uh, Peg made reference to our song talking about you are power. And we have that power. God has given us this power. Next verse, keep going. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles is like the strategies, the wisdom of the devil. The wisdom, it's not the wisdom of God, it's the wisdom of this world. The wisdom, you know what the wisdom of this world is? It's sensual. That's what it says in Hebrews. It's sensual, uh, soulish, it's uh, full of envy and strife. That's the wisdom of this world. But you see, the, the devil has a wisdom with which he is condemning us and, and fighting against us. And we can stand against that. But we first be strong in the Lord and the power is might. And it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Next verse. For, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness. Against of this world, 
against spiritual wickedness in high places. Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. He, 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 he has a limited control, but he operates in this dimension of around us in the air. You know, one person said, uh, I'm not going to go to this. I don't have the time. Okay, next verse. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the God. I hope I haven't getting the right. <laughs> Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I could have made it, you can make a sermon on each and every one of those subjects. I know because uh, Pastor Chris was making uh, a sermon just out of the word truth. I, I like, if you ever get it, if you have a, a computer, Apple, like I do, Apple Pad, Google uh, Ravi Zacharias. And he has these whole sermons on truth. And uh, man, they're really, really beautiful things. I got a little runny nose. Excuse me. Forgive me for this. If I don't deal with it now, I'll deal with it later. (laughs) Okay. So he says this. uh, He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to, to, to uh, stand against the wiles of the devil. And then he says this, praying. So you see that primarily the armor of God is an armor that we wear for prayer. See, you need to be wearing the armor of God when you pray. You, know, you notice that nothing in the armor is for the back. You know what? You know what it says about the, the back in the Bible? It says if you, uh, first of all, in Isaiah 58, it talks about fasting. And then it says, if you fast, uh, I know that's one of the most popular things. The two most popular, I just heard this recently, by the way, I think. Uh, I can't remember who said it right now. George, George Novolano said it. The two most, most popular subjects in, in, in the church is fasting and tithing. That was a sarcasm in that. Okay. They're not the most popular. Uh, So this is praying. This is for battle praying. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching. You pray and watch. Thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Can make a sermon out of every word in that statement. Okay. But I want to go on to this because this is the most amazing thing. But before I do, do you know that if there was somebody in the scriptures that I would think is the embodiment, the personification, uh, the, the, the best maybe example of all uh, in the scripture, and we have a lot of great examples of patriarchs and matriarchs, but uh, matriarchs, uh, is Paul. I mean, five times, 39 stripes. 
Most people didn't live through 39 stripes. You know, 39 stripes was a, according to Chuck Smith out of Cosa Mesa, Calvary Chapel, California, Cosa Mesa, uh, is a level four whipping. And a level four whipping is basically uh, the 39 stripes was they beat you until you confessed that you did what they accused you of. Boy, that's a beautiful way to find the truth, right? Just beat you until you finally give up and give it. And so, so it's uh, 39 stripes. Most, most people didn't live through it in the first place. If they did, they were never the same. Five times, 39 stripes. He was beaten with rods. He was stoned to death. You know, uh, a slew of things that any fraction of any one of them, I don't know, I don't know what, how, I don't know what I could do, what I would do. I just don't know. I'm not, uh, I'm not that brave. Um, but God can strengthen us, though, can he? He can give us the strength. He says, Pray. And for me. Now, he has those two, there's two beautiful prayers in the Bible. I didn't uh, go over them, but one is in Ephesians 1, and uh, two beautiful prayers in the book of Ephesians. One is in Ephesians chapter 1, and one is chapter 3. Beautiful, beautiful prayers. Awesome prayers. Uh, I quote them a lot. Uh, And it says this, and he says, and pray for me. And what does he ask for? That utterance. Interesting word for the word that is translated utterance here. It might be a word you might be familiar with. It's the Greek word logos. Do you know what logos is? Word. But you know this. You know where he says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God in Romans 10. You know what that... That's not the word logos where it says faith cometh by hearing the word. The word that you hear, which the word of faith which we preach, uh, which faith cometh by hearing that word, is the Greek word rhema. Rhema Bible College in Tulsa, Oklahoma is named after many other uh, places use the name rhema in talking about it. It means a spoken word. Spoken word is what God gives us in a point of time. He speaks a word to us. Right? That's called the rhema. Faith comes by hearing the rhema. That's a pretty important word. But the word logos for logos is in the beginning was the word. Logos. Jesus was the logos. What for one thing is the Logos is the overall complete plan of God. That's what in the beginning was the Word. He is the Logos. Jesus is the Logos. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Logos. Right? That's the same word which says that Logos may be given to me. You know, this, this is something that is... Rhema is pretty important. Faith comes by hearing Rhema. But this is bigger. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is bigger. All right. This is the whole package. This is the whole sovereignty of God. And he says, uh, and for me, pray that utterance, 
logos may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly. Wow. He's asking them to pray for him, to give utterance to him, that he may open his mouth boldly. Boldly. Who could possibly in the Bible be bolder than Paul? But you know something? Paul was weak like we are. He confesses that. But he also says, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. See, you just got to let him. You got to let him. God will be strong in you in the power of his might. And so it says this, pray for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to do what? To make known the mystery the mystery of the gospel. Hallelujah. You know, I've been asking for prayer and that I pray for me. I'll pray for you. That utterance would be given to me. The logos would be given to me. That I may open my mouth boldly and proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Boy, I'll tell you, the unsearchable riches of Christ. There are many verses of scripture that talks about the mysteries of the gospel. One of my favorites in Colossians 1, 26 and 27 talks about uh, the mysteries and it says of Christ. And then it says Christ in you, the hope of glory. Did you know that we are the hope of glory? There's a hope of glory inside of us that God gives and it comes through Christ. But we are in this earth, the hope of glory. You understand that? I'll show you in a minute exactly how that true that is. But what Christ is in us, the hope of glory. But he says that the mystery, it's a mystery that God wants to even work in us. That's a mystery. But this is the mystery that God, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Uh, in First Timothy uh, 3, 9, it talks about the mystery of faith. In 3.16, it talks about the mystery of godliness. In 1 Corinthians 15, 51, it talks about the mystery of his coming. You know, I mean, there's so many ways that it describes it. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, well, now we're going to go look at this. Uh, go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting with verse 6. Chapter 2, starting with verse 6. This is going to be talking about the mysteries of God. And it's all, it's not one different mysteries. They're all the same mysteries. It just wants to give you the understanding that it's a broad subject. You know, it's just not the mysteries about the Gentiles being made one with, with uh, uh, the, the Jews. It's a broad subject. It's a big subject that talks about the mysteries of Christ, the mystery, Christ in us. It's, this, this is a mystery, the hope of glory. Like I said, so we're going to look at this one. This is this is a good one. This is pretty awesome. And again, every single verse could be a, a sermon. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk you in him. Rooted. No, no, no. We are in the wrong place. Did I, I may have said the wrong scriptures. I'm sorry. This is supposed to be 1 Corinthians. Did I say Colossians? I apologize. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
Sounded good though. Verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, okay, 1 Corinthians. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. That means complete, teleos, complete in Christ. That we are perfect in Christ. Did you know that? If Jesus was made sin who knew no sin, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. If Jesus knew no sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. Outside of Christ, not so much. But in Christ. It says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are complete, yet not the wisdom of this world. This is not the wisdom of the world. You know, this, this, uh, the preaching of the cross to them that perish, foolish. But unto us that are saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. He says, Yet not the wisdom of the world, nor the princes, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. Now that means all the authorities of the world, all the principalities and powers and rulers, not only in the heavenly places or in the high places like the devil operates, the prince of the power there, but the princes of this world, the kings and the queens, they, they know nothing, nothing of this except in Christ. And we'll see that in a minute. We speak the wisdom. He says, but we speak. Uh, I don't think I finished with that verse, but that's okay. Let's stick with this one. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom. It is hidden for the preaching of the cross to them that perish foolish. It's hidden from them. They can't see it. But if you can see it, you've had your eyes opened up. And it's the mysteries in a mystery. What is the mystery? The wisdom of God is a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained, hello, before the world. God ordained before the world. Uh, I hope that this has the same effect on you that it does on me when I read these things. How I get so involved in petty, immaterial they're not bad, but compared to eternity, what a waste of the time and the gift of time that God has given to us on this whole world, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Did you see that? Christ in us, the hope of glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. Had they known it, They would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, now listen to this, I has not seen. You know, uh, I made reference to a couple of Sundays now that you can find this in in many places, but 1 Peter chapter 1. John talks about it too in chapter 1 of uh, 1 John. But he says this, and we've said, I said this before. The Bible says, blessed, you know, uh, Jesus said to, to Thomas, Thomas wasn't there when Jesus first visited the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And they saw him. 
And they told Thomas, the, uh, the apostles, the disciples, they told Thomas, you know, uh, we saw the, he was here. He says, unless I put my hand into the side where that spear was, or my finger into his, in the holes in his hands and his feet, I, I, I will not believe. And Jesus comes walking in, and Thomas is like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know. And Jesus says, put your hand in there. Put your finger in there and believed. And Thomas, oh, my Lord and my God, you know. And what did Jesus say? And says, blessed are you, Thomas, because you've seen and you believe. But even more blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. You know. Uh, if you are singing like one of my favorite songs, Open my eyes, Lord. We're talking about spiritual eyes anyway, right? He that hath ears to hear, eyes to see, let him hear. Open my eyes, Lord. I want to see Jesus, to reach out and touch him and tell him I love him. Beautiful song. I love it. It's one of my favorites. But that spiritual scene, you know, if you faith that believes... And this is what it says in 1 Peter. He says, we, same in, in 1 John chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1. He's, John says, we've seen him. We've touched him. We've tasted him. We've loved him. We've handled him. They even say we've handled him. You know, we've, we were with him. We saw him. 1 Peter says, but you are blessed because you believe having not seen there's more blessed to not see and believe than it is to see and believe. Because faith cometh by uh, hearing, not by sight. It's not by sight. So we are blessed indeed. And we can handle him in the spirit without seeing him. We can touch him without touching him. So amen. Somebody say amen, please. I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. I mean, you know, we haven't even begun to see what God will do. Began. Begin? Begun? Huh. We haven't began. Began? Huh. We haven't yet seen. The things which God has, will do. You know, uh, eat, um, um, oh, I'm having a senior moment right now. I almost want, don't want to tell you who I'm trying to think of because you can't believe it. Uh, D.L. Moody. <laughs> I, I thought of it. D.L. Moody once said, the world has not, not D.L. Moody's, Arguably, greatest evangelist that ever lived. Okay, there are many others, but arguably, he was one of the greatest. Well, he was one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived. And Dion Moody once says, "The world has not yet seen what God will do to the man that is totally devoted to Him through the man, through the woman." So it says this, 
eyes not seen, ears not heard. Uh, man's, let's go back to that verse one more time, then we'll go on. Verse 9. It is written, eyes not seen, nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for them that love him. What is he talking about? The mysteries. Right? The mysteries. Next verse now. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. How many of you hunger for the deep things of God? Hello? There's no end to the depths and the height and the love of Christ. The deep things of God. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Hunger for those things because eyes not seen yet. For what man knoweth the things of a man? Except for the, uh, except for the spirit of man. In other words, what he's saying there says, how can you really know a man except for the spirit of him? It, it, you know, the hidden, it's called, the spirit is also called the hidden man of the heart. And it says, uh, save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man uh, but the spirit of God. So you see, you can't know God. How many of you want to know God? That's what Paul said, that I may know him. And Paul says, I count not myself to have apprehended. While ago he says, remember while ago he says, Paul, who am blessed than the least of all saints. Paul regarded himself as less than the least of all saints. He said, boy, I don't know if I want to be less than the least of all saints. Except for one thing, when John doubted Jesus Christ, and he did. He doubted whether, he just had a moment of doubt, all right? But that, won't, that wasn't what, what, what happens. Is not, he's not going to be condemned for that moment of doubt, okay? I just want to make sure you understand that. But he had a moment of doubt. He's in prison. And so he sent some of his disciples to go see Jesus and say, are you the one? Are you really the one? I mean, didn't, Paul, didn't uh, John the Baptist already say that? John the Baptist already said, he's the one. Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. But when in a moment of weakness, he just sent some disciples, are you the one? And Jesus says, go tell him, the blind see. This, this goes on, this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens. And he says, and tell him, I'm the one, you know. And then he says, there's no man born of woman greater than John the Baptist. He is the greatest prophet that ever lived. Jesus said that. Notwithstanding the least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. Wow. Now, you know what he's actually saying there? You see, the, John, the transition from John the Baptist to Jesus is the transition from the law to grace. And so that's why when, 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 G, when John the Baptist sees Jesus come in, and he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. That's double meaning, two meanings in that. Right? First meaning is, I am here to bring in the law. I'm here, the ending of the law, to bring in 
He that's going to bring in grace. There's a transition from law to grace. So he's saying, I must decrease while he must increase. My ministry, actually three meanings, my ministry is going to start diminishing. It's going to start waning away. His ministry is going to increase. All right? I must decrease, but he must increase. There's also the other meaning in your personal relationship with Christ. I must decrease while he must increase. If you don't think that's what it means, read, Second, uh, read Philippians chapter 2, where it says, Let this attitude be in you, or mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though, did not, though he was God, did not grasp to equal with God, but emptied himself. He emptied himself. I must decrease. He must increase. That's what we are here for. That's what God has put us on this earth for. And so that Christ may increase in our life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Do you know that verse of scripture I was talking about a while ago where Peter says, blessed are those that have not seen? You know what the next line in that? Because it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's another word, unspeakable. You know, it means like, you can't, there's no words for it. There's not enough words in this world to describe the joy of the Lord. So let's put those verses back up there, please. What man knows the, uh, the things of man except his spirit? Even so the things knoweth of God, knoweth of uh, no man. So Paul said he's a less than least of all saints. But, even, but Jesus even said, even so, Paul was greater than John the Baptist. Because he that is under grace is greater than he that is under the law. Amen. So it says that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Now, we need teachers, all right? Uh, I need teachers. You need teachers. That's why it says uh, he, gave, uh, he gave gifts unto men, and he gave, he, sent, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. We all need to be equipped, and we all need teachers. Uh, but you know something about that? That you may need teachers, but you don't need a teacher. You understand what I mean? You know, nobody, nobody needs anybody because the anointing which you have received of him, according to uh, John, Second John, one twenty-seven. I think, am I right? The anointing, or maybe it's 2.27 in 1 John. The anointing which you have received of him abides in you. You know what the anointing is? First of all, the word Christ comes from anointed. He's the anointed one. To be anointed means you are empowered by God to either speak or act on his behalf. The anointing which you have received of him lives in you, abides in you. And you don't need anybody to teach you. What it means is you can, you can learn on your own. 
We need teachers, but you don't need anybody to say what's what. Uh, You don't surrender your own spirit and mind up to another man. Hello? Say amen, please. All right. So it says, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Now he who is spiritual is the Holy Spirit. Right? For who has known the mind of the Lord? Have you known the mind of the Lord? I mean, if you understand, who hath instructed him? Some, study Isaiah 40 sometime. You know, and read, which is, who, who, what man can tell God what to do? You know, read, read that whole chapter. We all know the ending of the chapter of, of uh, Isaiah 40. You know, uh, where it talks about we shall run and not be weary. We shall walk and not faint. You know, uh, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall run and not be, you know, walk and not be weary. Whatever. You know the verse, all right? You got to read the verses before that, though, to really understand it. All right? And Isaiah 40 says, who can tell God what's what? Who can tell God? Nobody can. Keep that up there, please. Okay. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? That he should instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. Wow, did he? Was that a contradiction? Ha! Huh. Was that a contradiction? We have the mind of Christ. God gives us the mind of Christ. This is not meaning our minds up here. That means in our, it's actually talking about in our hearts, in our heart's mind. The hidden man of the heart. We can know what God, we can know God. When, when Paul says that I may know him, you can know him. It's a mystery, but you can know him. Amen. Last thing I'm going to share on the mystery, and then we'll close with this. Ephesians, the fifth chapter. I'm going to tell you why uh, most marriages in the world fail. Even the ones that stay together fail. About 99.99% of all marriages on the face of the earth fail. Ephesians, the fifth chapter. I'm going to start with the uh, 10th verse. Go to the 10th verse. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start with this one. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Going fast, quick. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things are reproved or made manifest by the light. And whoso doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Seeing then that we walk circumspectly, that means wise, in wisdom, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. There's that redeeming the time I was talking about a while ago. Because the days are evil. 
Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. True wisdom is understanding what God's will is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things and uh, unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband. Now, men, this is a letter. And when it says, wives, this is addressed to them. It's none of your business. It's none of your concern. Unfortunately, we want to read each other's mail. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. Now it's talking about the husband. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the church. He that is, and he is the savior of the body. You know, you skipped a verse. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Is that coming? Oh, okay. Therefore, the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be... Boy, it seemed like we skipped, skipped around there. My bad. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. You notice it says, uh, Bob Mumford used to quote this verse, that wives should submit themselves to their own husbands and not any other body's husband. <laughs> to their own husbands. Uh, husbands, you're right, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, here we could have talked about the subjects, whole sermons on. That you might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Why husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and wash them with the washing of the water by the word. But this is talking about Christ washing the church, which is what? Us, his body, his wife, right? That you might, that he might, Christ, present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Boy, wouldn't that be nice if the church was a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. You know, this is referring to where Adam, when God made Eve, Adam says this. And by the way, what Adam said is the word of God for Jesus or Paul says it's the word of God came right out of the, as if it came right out of the mouth of God. She shows bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh is what Adam said. And so it says for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they too shall be one flesh. They shall be one. This is a great mystery. What's such a great mystery about it? But I speak concerning Christ and the church. That's, uh, we're done there. Take it off. I speak concerning Christ and the church. 
It's a great mystery. You see, marriage upon the earth is supposed to be a demonstration of something that is much greater, the total purpose of marriage. And this is why they're all failing, is that they're supposed to be a representation of the relationship of Christ and his church. Because we are the bride of Christ, and it is a great mystery. We are, one of my uh, dear friends and mentors from way, way, way past in Texas, he says, we are God, Jesus Christ helpmate. We are his helpmate. We are his wives, wife as the church. It is a great mystery, you see. But not only that, but we are his representation on the earth. The hope of glory, joy unspeakable and full of glory. But we have to understand the mystery of God. You see, until the relationship of man and woman in marriage knows what they were created for, it's kind of doomed to be a failure. I say kind of. It is doomed to be a failure. There's no kind of to it. Whether it stays together or not is immaterial. I mean, it's material, but it's immaterial as far as success is concerned. The success of a marriage is when it represents the relationship of Christ in his church, his body. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. It is a great mystery. May you give us all utterance. You Give us logos that we can open our mouths boldly and proclaim the mystery of the gospel. The mystery of the kingdom, the mystery of our Christ, the mystery of your wisdom, the mystery of your will that brings good pleasure to you. May we be embodiment and personification, representation of the mystery of the church and the relationship that you have with your church. May we be your wife. May we be your partner. May we be prepared as a church to give birth to the life uh, on the earth. As you said to Eve, you said to the devil, a seed will come from woman. Well, just as a seed comes from woman, a seed will come from us. A, A life that will come from us, not a person, not the word being made flesh, like you were, Lord Jesus, with Mary, but a seed that would come, a spirit would be birthed in this earth, the Holy Spirit that would bring the gift of the Messiah, the second coming. But in the meantime, the mysteries that we can proclaim and preach the mystery of the gospel. Give us utterance that we can reach out to a dying world with your word. Give us that we may open our mouths boldly and proclaim your love and your faith, the mystery of faith in Jesus' precious, wonderful name, Heavenly Father. Amen.